Hi there, I'm Craig Matson. This is Spiritual Capital. How about this for a vision of the good life? A life in which what you do at work, what you do at home, what you do at your place of worship, what you do in your own neighborhood, all of that hangs together. All of it coheres. How about that for a vision of the good life? I think that's something of what we hope for when we talk about organizational spirituality. But if you mention a term like spirituality or wellness to an organizational leader, I have a prediction to make. They're going to give you something between a nod and a grimace. They'll nod because, yes, of course, they and their team have a yearning for purpose, a need to be present, a longing to be generous. But the grimace, well, that comes from having all those bills to pay. All those bills that don't take the currency of contemplative prayer. My own experience of nodding and grimacing comes from research interviews in which I asked social entrepreneur types what spirituality was doing in their organizations. I asked leaders running tiny, fragile, plucky, missional organizations slow, sifting questions about spiritual life in their workplaces and their communities. If you're curious, I wrote all this up in a recently published book, Why Spiritual Capital Matters. But here's a takeaway from that research. All too often, that sort of organizational spirituality ends up segregating inner life from outer life. There's a kind of bifurcation that sets in between inner life conversations and outer life conversations. Inner life conversations provoke talk about what values these leaders espoused, what contemplative practices they took on, what awareness they cultivated. And I often felt encouraged by these inner life exchanges. They proved to be some of the most enlivening interviews of my career. As far as I could tell from people's responses, they found the exchanges energizing too, even happiness-making. It just feels good to talk about spiritual things in a world that skitters across what should be the depths of human life. But alongside this eager nod to the inner life was a persistent grimace about what we might call the outer life. These leaders' reservations about spiritual life came from the fact that they not only wanted inner peace, they also needed to find institutional resources. They had to find investors and donors. They had to curate company stories for their constituents. They had to capture client attention. In short, they had bluntly practical work to do. And sometimes that felt like work that precluded prayer and meditation and journaling and retreats and Sabbath and yoga. Okay, but here's a turn. Some of the people I talk to regarding organizational spirituality, and by the way, I don't think it's coincidental that it was black and brown social entrepreneurs who helped me to notice this first. Anyway, these people pointed to a different sort of spiritual awareness. It was an awareness not for the dynamics of the life within, nor for the economic forces of the life without, but rather for the hidden generosity of the life among. And these conversations compelled me to reformulate what I thought about organizational spirituality. Instead of seeing it as a way to, you know, prepare yourself for long hours of dealing with resistless problems, 
I came to see organizational spirituality as a way to animate latent goods in workplace community and in neighborhood. But of course, before you can animate hidden gifts, you have to see them. That's where the spiritual part of the spiritual capital comes in. It's a mode of attentiveness. Most of us miss what's going on most of the time. Life is so intricate. Life moves at such speeds that it's enormously difficult to see just what's in front of us. And for these social entrepreneurs, seeing and then circulating the unobvious capital of their communities required a shared awareness. I, I want to say a spiritual awareness for what's always zipping on by and around us. I take heart from these people's examples that it is possible to learn to see the resources that are usually overlooked, like abandoned buildings in West Baltimore, now rehabbed for the community's good, like quiet philanthropy moving millions of dollars in low-income neighborhoods in Indianapolis, like a community center in Carlisle, PA, built on the very grounds where white folks once effaced African-American graves. What narrows the gap between the nod and the grimace when we're talking about organizational spirituality, is not about what's inside me or inside you, but rather what's among us all. And learning to spot subtle gifts in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our teams, does require, I think, spiritual attentiveness, not just for individualized and inward well-being, but also for the unobvious goods that may need, yes, a fuller circulation, but which are nonetheless already there for the common good. That's why I keep saying spiritual capital matters. My name's Craig Matson, and you've been listening to Spiritual Capital. I would be very glad for you to follow or subscribe to the pod on Spotify or SoundCloud and review it on Apple Podcasts. If you've got some thoughts or some criticisms, some ambivalence, you should send me a note, spiritualcap at gmail.com. I really could use the help, always. I'd love for you to check out my newly published book, Why Spiritual Capital Matters. It's available from WIPF and Stock. You can also purchase it at betterworldbooks.com and sundry other websites. If you're interested in the sort of overall project of Spiritual Capital, I invite you to my website, spiritualcap.org. See you next time. <music> <music>